you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. That's hooey and applesauce. Three words for that. Ooh, blah, and blah. When I'm wrong, I say I'm wrong. Oh, it's gangbusters. Damn a shake in Football fans, it's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? Hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 64 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available, as always, on iTunes and uh, seated to my immediate right, ready to talk about the NFL draft that is coming up in just a couple of days now. My old pal from NFL.com. Adam Rank, what's the poop, fella? Hey, boss, thanks for having me. Are you sure. excited for the draft? I am. It's funny, as you can see by my uh, by my bronzy glow. I just returned mm-hmm. from Hawaii, and now I'm about to get on a plane and go to New York City. It's kind of like I've experienced the the two bookends of the NFL yeah. season, and I'm going to be doing my own personal version of that: the Pro Bowl trip to Hawaii, and then mm-hmm. the uh, getting ready for next season with a trip to New York City for the draft. Yeah, and, and by the way, to uh, to promote what you just did, a fine thing uh, the in your pick six column, the best drafts ever. It's first round draft. We first eliminate round draft first season. round drafts right. ever. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. So did you check- agree with that? Did you agree that 83 was better than 89? Yeah, I think 83 is the best one. I, I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I know people then focus on the busts. That's how you can pick it apart is by saying, well, Todd Blacklitch stunk. Mm-hmm. But, of course, then you have Marino at the back end who falls all the way down to 27. You know what's funny about that? People always ask me about Danny Marino because he went to Pitt, and um, my old man was uh, was a, a team physician for the Pitt Panthers. And I remember in 1983 him taking a number of phone calls from NFL teams, checking uh-huh. in because I remember there was all the, the mystery around Dan Marino. Why is he falling? What's going on here? What, why did his senior season not go so well? Is there something nefarious going on in this year? young man's uh, life mm-hmm. and so my father had to answer those questions I remember that and he plummeted all the way down to number 27 there the Steelers a lot of people thought in Pittsburgh in hindsight 2020 hindsight only right Pittsburghers because he was a high school kid there then went to Pitt of course people now look back and say why didn't the Steelers take him at 27 they instead took the star-crossed uh, Gabe Rivera the the defensive tackle out of Texas Tech who after his rookie season his promising rookie season went through a windshield I think he was uh, drinking and driving, as a matter mm-hmm. of fact, never played again. And um, so people always ask that. But that's the way the NFL draft goes, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with uh, with one of the gurus of the last, what, 40 or 50 years, Charlie Casserly. He's going to be joining mm-hmm. us here in Studio 66 in just a second here. But, of course, the answer to that question is that, uh, to, to, to that mystery, is that the Steelers had just taken Mark Malone with a first-round draft pick. That's my first question for him. What is the story? 
you know, back this is 1980-ish when the, when the Steelers take the Arizona State QB, Mark Malone, and uh, they had uh, previously had Cliff Stout in the pipeline, who they thought was the heir apparent to Terry Bradshaw. What is the – that's the question for Charlie Cassidy. Question number one. Issue do, number one? Yeah, do it like that. Do Issue it. number one. Yeah, like what's his name? McIntyre? McLaughlin. McLaughlin. I don't know what it is. Come on. Old man. It's your great character. McRankling. Issue number one. From the fantasy show on uh, NFL Fantasy Live come football season. It's Rank's chief impression. But anyway, <laughs> the question is, these people, maybe in 1980 there was room for air, but with the obsession, not just not just among GM and personnel guys, it's now bled into the media, and now everyone in, in the country has an opinion on the NFL draft. Everyone feels like... We're well. We all feel pretty well informed about who needs to be taken, what his skill set is. We use words like ball skills. You well, know, you know, you can be having a barroom debate. Like I love his ball skills. <laughs> a lot of talk about that. So how is it possible that people continue to blunder when it comes to making first round draft picks with QBs? What is the common thread, Charlie Casserly? I shall say to him. You shall say to him. Yes. Yeah. I shall say to him. What is it with Heath Schuler, who he drafted, Jamarcus Russell, Ryan Leaf? Mark Malone and all these guys. How do you use a first-round draft pick on guys like this? And then they just are abject failures. Oh, oh, we didn't realize he could only throw the ball twelve yards. Or like, what's what's? Or oh, he's he's a dimwit. We had no idea. What? Wonder what the? I wonder if I'll have an answer to that. Wouldn't it be like the the real life equivalent of somebody still dying from a cold? Like we've yeah. we've advanced so far in medicine, but yet somebody still died of a toothache. Yeah, it's one of those things. For like, me. How did we not? How? Because and it was weird because when I started to look back at the pick six and started going through some of these drafts and looking at who had you know round ones that were really good round ones that were really bad and one of them that made the list I'm thinking back I think it was seventy three where they had twenty six teams fifteen of the players who were drafted went on to play in an all star game of some sort actually it would have been the Pro Bowl because the two leagues were combined by then so fifteen guys out of twenty six went on to be in the went on to go to the Pro Bowl, which is a pretty good... That pretty sounds good, good. That's a pretty good percentage. But why isn't that higher now? It like should you would be, figure right. They see so much tape. I mean, it's not... There's no more obscure guys. How is... It just doesn't seem possible that these guys just can't nail it. And not that, you know, and if you miss, if you don't get a Hall of Famer, that's fine. But just being able to get a guy who's good, who's a good role player or anything like that. And you see, like when the Raiders took Gallery and you looked at all the good guys that went before sandwiched around him in 2004 you had Eli Manning of course going number one Larry Fitzgerald at number three Rivers went four and they were flip-flop when they were traded Ben Roethlisberger went a little bit later Vince Wolfrick was in that draft you look at it how did they miss so badly on a guy when all this tape is available you watch the guys it's play, true you know? I've said this uh, you know listen I've made this analogy many times there are certain things in life that they continue to improve upon. Other mm-hmm. things, there's just been some sort of a decision made. Good enough. We can stand. We can move on to the next issue. For instance, the other day I'm having breakfast, and and they bring over. I order some bacon, and they bring over thick cut. And now thick cut bacon is the way. You know, mm-hmm. thick cut bacon is delicious. The first thirty years of my life, it never once passed my lips. Thick cut bacon it wasn't an option when you order <laughs> bacon. It was a you know, it's the skinny now. Now if they don't serve thick cut, shame on them because it's because it's delicious. They continue to progress. I would I was fine with old bacon, right? But now that they're thick cutting it, even better. You know, I I don't know thick cut. It's no, a little no. too much. Don't start with me about that. That's not something I'm. Inter- I, I like to have fun and talk about things, but that, that's <laughs> wh- wh- how could you defend thin cut bacon over thick cut? 
It's eh, more. It's bacon, but yeah, more. Yeah, but it's a little too much. I, I don't know that I even know what you're talking about there. Now, conversely, you lose a little they're, bit. They're, they're coffee when, lids, mobile mm-hmm. coffee lids, like you know that you get at Starbucks to to go with your coffee, to so you can drive with it. It's got that little peephole thing. Yes. Well, that's not satisfying. That's no way to enjoy your coffee. It doesn't drink well. Plus, it also splashes out. That they invented that lid in about 1982, and they're like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> we never have to improve upon that. Says who? You know, you know what I'm saying? Here he comes. Maybe he'll have an opinion on this, uh, but uh, maybe we'll focus on the NFL draft coming up. And some drafts from the past. It's the great Charlie Casserly. He's sitting down. He's getting his headphones on. Black tie. Help him out. Get those headphones on there. We all set there? How are you, Charlie Casserly? Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well, and I'm excited. And I know uh, nothing about coffee tops, but go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I used one this morning. I know nothing about NFL football. That doesn't stop me from flapping my gums about it each and every week. Oh, okay. All right. Um, So how are you, sir? Thank you for joining us. Great to be here. First question, we were just saying this. uh, What we're talking about is, and I won't explain how we got to this point, but uh, what we were talking about is the inability in 2012 to when, when obviously the careers, careers like yours are devoted to evaluating these kids and, uh, you know, the the, the so-called can't miss uh, prospects and and with this being a quarterback league, the obsession and the, and the pouring over every particular detail with these guys. How is it possible? And you 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 drafted Heath Schuler famously or infamously, and you know there's but but of course you're not alone in that. There's Ryan Leaf, Jamarcus Russell, Andre Ware. The list goes on and on. What is it? What is there a common thread among these guys that as you look back and you say, that's the thing that they lacked? What is it that makes these guys people who we all feel like, yeah, we got to take this guy, and then they just flame out? You're talking about quarterbacks now? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's any one single thing, because each one's an individual situation. Uh, I think one thing that may be a common thread if you went and looked at these is sometimes uh, the team they go to. Uh, has a lot of issues. In other words, how good is that team? And some of these quarterbacks that succeed uh, go into a team where they don't have to play right away. Aaron Rodgers didn't have to play for three years. Okay, uh, Joe Flacco goes into a team with a tremendous defense, uh, runs the ball well. Don't ask him to do a lot of things. Uh, yes, he has a good record, but if you go back and look, how many plays did he really have to make? If another player went in there, went with that team, could he have developed and, and, and improved the way Joe Flacco has improved? So one common thread I think is there is they, they these players have gone with teams that weren't real good and weren't over to able, able to overcome that. You know, maybe the, the, the poster boy when I came into this league was Archie Manning. Mm-hmm. He went to the Saints, and here was a guy, you know, how good could he be? Uh, and he never really got a chance to show how good he could be. Jim Plunkett. Jim Plunkett was waived by the New England mm-hmm. Patriots of failure. And, he, and he's in Oakland and wins the Super Bowl. Is there a guy, well, the the name that jumps into my med, uh, mind when you're talking about a guy like Jim Plunkett, uh, success late in his career, um, and then obviously you were there for to, to watch Joe Theismann, you know, after he finds his way through the CFL and then lands and obviously becomes a Super Bowl champion. Is there is a guy like Brady Quinn, do you, do you hold out uh, optimism that a guy like that or Matt Leinart may, you know, still resurrect and still have a relevant uh, career as a starting QB. Well, I think with with Quinn, uh, he did show some good things in preseason last year with Denver, so there was a positive there. Quinn's issue was accuracy. 
coming out. That that was a question. Now you're going to say, wait a minute, quarterback's not accurate. What are you taking a guy that's not accurate for? Well, he was accurate a lot of times, and he was a smart guy and knew where to throw the ball. But there would be key throws that he would miss in a game uh, they would be inaccurate on. So it's an area that he really, to me, never improved upon. I didn't see enough of him in training camp last year to say how much got he, how much he got better, but people that saw him said he did have a good camp. So as far as Matt Leinert goes, um, you know, Leinert's work habits weren't what they needed to be when he came into the league, but he corrected that. You know, if you ask uh, Houston, they, they'll tell you that he worked real hard there. He, he's not a big-armed guy, and, and when you're not a big-armed guy, accuracy is crucial, uh, decision-making, and getting it out quick are crucial. Uh, his accuracy is not top flight. So there were some things in there that, you know, you bet on the come with him. You think he'll be okay, but you see some red lights. All these players have something there where there's a caution. Some of them overcome it. Some of them don't overcome it. He didn't overcome, uh, in Leinart's case, I would say, uh, accuracy and, top, and, and not having the top arm. And when you think of guys who fall into that category, Colt McCoy is another guy that they talk about. Cleveland has a pretty interesting uh, dilemma here in the draft because they could go a number of different ways. They could go with Trent Richardson. They could go to ju- with Justin Blackman. Or, you know, they can go up for Tannehill. When you look at what they've got, would Cleveland be better served to start surrounding Colt McCoy with some, some weapons and see what he could do, or what would you do if you were you were calling the shots there? Well, let's go back to what they have done up to this point. They tried to trade, tried to trade for Griffin slash Luck. I mean, everybody, I'm sure, made an inquiry to Indianapolis, and that went nowhere. But they tried to get Griffin. So they tried to get what they felt was an elite quarterback. It didn't work out. Uh, I, I If I'm there, then I'm not going to take Tannehill at four. I'm going to take the best player on the board, which to me is Richardson. Uh, and, you know, you could have a discussion about him because the position, not devaluing it, it's the question of uh, is it an injury-prone position and do I take Blackman? Well, I would still take Richardson because he's the best player on the board, and I'm not going to assume he's going to get hurt uh, mm-hmm. as long as my medical people are. So I, I would surround him with better talent. If there's a quarterback that's a better pl- prospect than the next guy on the board, whatever round it is, then I go ahead and take him. But without an elite guy, I would I'd make a better team around him because you may be back in this boat next year trying to look at a quarterback again. At least you'll be a better football team. I'll right. tell you, I well, got to say, I think Trent Richardson. You, you talk about the devaluing of the position in general. Obviously, all you all we've heard about for the last couple of years is this is a quarterback league, and then obviously the the the, the teams that have been successful are largely will bear out the fact that you don't need a premier rusher to to uh, get to a Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl. So first of all, that, but then particular to to Cleveland situation. They're in a division. You know you can bank on the fact that the Steelers are going to stuff the run. And with Haloti Nada, you know that the Ravens are going to do the same thing. It seems like a losing proposition. I would, I, you know, to me, I'm no Browns fan, but I certainly would rather see them. Tannehill, is, to me, is the Mike Mamula of QBs at this point. You know, a guy who suddenly has, has risen to be a guy who's, uh, you know, in a lot of books, a can't-miss guy. I have questions about him, but to me, it's it's Justin Blackman. Give Colt McCoy or whomever is under center there a fighting chance. He hasn't had a wide receiver in his couple of years there. Now, you make a good point uh, about the division they're in and that uh, it's going to be a division that's going to be hard to run the ball. But uh, this, isn't, this isn't a one-player draft now. They're going to have opportunities to pick players at other positions. And uh, so getting a wide receiver uh, in this draft, I think, is something that they'll end up doing. And they need speed is what they need. 
Little is, is is a good player. He's not necessarily a fast guy, but they, they need a speed receiver uh, to threaten it. So I think that might be something you might get in another pick. And they do have a chance at number 22 they can take Kendall Wright. They can go Stephen Hill. They'll, it seems like there'll be a number of options. Where it really gets interesting is back in the second round where Brandon Whedon could be available are people making too big of a deal about his age? What would you do with somebody like him? No, I don't think so because, you know, he's, he's going to be 29. It's going to take you a year or two before he hits stride. So now he's 30, 31, and now you're talking about, you know, his next contract, uh, let's say in four years, so he's 33. What are you going to do at that point in time? And, again, he, he's a guy that is you're going to have to make a transition from the spread offense to the NFL. I like him. I think he's a better player right now than Tannehill. Uh, I think the guy is an accurate passer. I think he makes good decisions. He's not real mobile. He can be a little bit streaky, uh, but I, but he has a nice touch on the deep ball. So he does some good things. Um, I, I've thought about it a lot because, you know, having been in that decision, never was faced with one like that. I think I would devalue him, and then there would be a point on the board. You're going to say he's better than the next guy. We're going to take him. But I don't see that, obviously, in the first round. Well, uh, by the way, let's backtrack for a second here. You mentioned the Houston Texans. And uh, in a world in which I walk these very halls, this is this will stun you, Charlie Casserly, and maybe upset you. What, that you. you walk? I don't know. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, but, but I really soar. That's really oh, what I soar. do. Oh, soar. Okay, excuse me. You should see me. me. I, I, just, I was over at, uh, at the Combine. You should see what I can do. You, okay. You can, but uh, for, for the people at the NFL Network, I brought up the name. Uh, you know, a few months ago, I mentioned Rocky Blyer in passing, and people said, I, "I don't know who Rocky Blyer is." Oh my gosh! People under the age of thirty, they have they're, they're, it's a different generation now. Yeah. If they didn't see somebody play, they weren't alive for him. He doesn't matter. So yeah. th- this is the world we live in. So with all due respect, Charlie Casserly, of course, a Super Bowl champion, is uh, with the uh, Washington Redskins. Came up under Bobby Bethard. Started out um, with uh, you started out uh, way Allen. back at, with George Allen back yeah. in the uh, in the mid seventies there. Then you moved on when the Houston Texans uh, started out, and uh, you drafted David Carr. And then famously and uh, controversially at the time, I thought that I, could, I couldn't believe Mario Williams when you had the Vince Young, the in-state national champion with the Texas Longhorns, and then uh, Reggie Bush, who was uh, electric, and you figured uh, he'll figure out, figure out how to use him. You know, when he gets into camp. In the meantime, though, he's uh, he's going to be a dynamite NFL player. Mario Williams vindicated now, all these years later, that uh, that you clearly made the right choice on Mario. I never looked at it that way, to be honest with you. You make a decision, you go on, and you move on. And you don't worry about what other people think. I, I I felt bad for Mario though, because there was no reason for him to take any grief. I, and in fact, I I said in Houston, I said famously, uh, if you want to boo somebody, boo me, and they did. They took me literally. <laughs> see, so uh, but uh, I felt good for Mario because here was a kid who came in, got criticized for no reason, was injured his rookie year. Didn't play all that bad. Played the run well. But, you know, the guy couldn't practice. He was hurt. Then year two and year three, I mean, you got this guy's a pro ball player. Uh, so, you know, he kept his mouth shut through the whole thing. And uh, I don't think the people ever there, they acknowledged he was good because you had to after a while. But I don't think they ever warmed to him because there's still an undercurrent there uh, about uh, Vince Young and Reggie Bush. Believe it or not, still an un- still. yeah, it's, it's, still it's, an it's amazing. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, based on what you said re- when we started out here, they follow that- the NFL, right? Well, there's I, mean, I, I, I do think it is situational. I always think about that as a guy like Steve Kerr, in, to, to make an NBA analogy. Yeah. I think if Steve Kerr would have landed in the wrong spot, 
he would have flamed out and, and, you know, had a two or three year NBA career. But if you get yourself in the right spot and you can be a two dimensional guy, if you have the luxury of being two dimensional on the right team, I think he can get away with that. But people in, in Houston think Vince Young, well, th- this would have been a better spot for him. He would have thrived. That seems loco. I don't, I don't think now because he couldn't. But I'm just telling you, uh, th- there is not the, um, uh, the feeling with Mario that you would think that, that there would be. Okay, there's still a little bit of that undercurrent on the thing. Hmm. So, well, not, now, now not a majority, look. but it's there. And well, I based on an interviews I've done. That's why. What about uh, the Houston Texans? Now, it's uh, my my uh, guess is that they're going to be along with the Patriots, the uh, the favorite to get to the Super Bowl out of the AFC. First of all, is there for you a sense of pride, or do, do, are you disconnected from the franchise at this point? Um, and uh, do you agree with the uh, with, with those people who are going to project that the, the Texans are the team to beat? Well, I'm happy for the success. You know, in this job, you're neutral. Uh, I, I, I I root for certain players, you know, ones that I, I know or I drafted or traded for or whatever. And I want to see them do well because, you know, I know them. See, uh, as far as uh, the co-favorite thing, yeah, when you come out, if you just go back to the playoffs and you say to yourself, okay, if you had Matt Schaub and you had Mario Williams uh, and you had those guys, heck, and you're in the playoffs, you're liable to win this thing. So, uh, you know, I, I, mean, they, I they agree were, they should they have were, won that game in Baltimore. Well, they're playing with a third-string quarterback who's mm-hmm. a rookie. So, uh, and 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 they played well, and that's a that that's a, uh, a positive for them. It's a it's a, a credit to the coaching staff, the scouting staff, everybody there. They should be proud of that. Uh, you know, Williams only played five games. Now, in the five games he was there, he was tied for the AFC lead in sacks. But the reality is, they made the playoffs without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schaub, they finished the season. Stumbling along to make the playoffs, they they need shop clearly. Uh, Winston at right tackle. I mean, you, all of a sudden, you in D'Amico Ryan's. You're losing some players now. It's not the same team. You got to see how they react to that. So I think that this isn't the same team that ended the season. Uh, so I, I think you have to take a step mm-hmm. back and see what they get in the draft. They they couldn't participate in free agents because they didn't have any money. Uh, so I'm not so sure that they they step out away from everybody as much as they did then. So I think you got Baltimore in there. Pittsburgh is always going to be uh, in that mix too. Well, I think that uh, like uh, like Rank there alludes to. I think that between Stephen Hill or, or or Kendall Wright or one of those guys, if you put that guy on the other side of Andre Johnson, now you're cooking with gas. The question is, if you're a Texans fan, do you think Matt Schaub is a Super Bowl, a potentially Super Bowl winning QB? I, I don't think Schaub. To me, Schaub is is. Uh, uh, I don't want to say he's not in the top ten of the league because we've got to go through all the names. Right. But 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 there's a good group of a quarterback eight to ten in this league that are better than him, and he's kind of in that next echelon. I think he is a guy that's smart and he knows that system. He executes it to a T. I think Kubiak's a brilliant designer and play caller. I think it's a great match for him. But uh, to make the big time throws in big games consistently, I think he's got to prove he can still do that. Plus, he got to stay healthy. What about in the NFC? Who do you like coming out of there? Do the 49ers, now they were in the the mix for Peyton Manning. They're going to go with Alex Smith. Should they be trying to upgrade still? Should they look? I don't know if there's anybody out there and if there's any better options, but how are they looking for next year? Oh, I know. I think they're terrific. I think the defense is the best in the NFC, if not the best in the NFL. So I think the defense is really, really good. No question. They can stop the run. They can rush the passer. Uh, they play hard. They play physical. So so that's real good. Now, offensively, they've got to get a little bit more juice. Uh, and should they have go, go for a better quarterback? Yeah, obviously, they went for Peyton Manning. Mm-hmm. But 
they don't feel that there are a lot of guys that they first of all who are you going to get that's available that the, the, the people don't they just don't fall out of trees now so uh, they're kind of limited in what they have now smith be interesting how much smith improves this year second year in a system with a coach who's terrific uh in harbaugh uh, so i think we'll be seeing about that now gore i think we might be getting towards mm-hmm. the, the tough the end part of the career now how much more mileage can they get out of gore now brandon jacobs same thing you're not sure what you're going to get with brandon jacobs at this point in his career uh, so I, I, I talked about on the path of the draft here, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to take a running back at that point. I mean, that's a position that could help them. Uh, Long term, certainly it could help them. So Moss, I don't know what you're going to get out of Randy Moss. That's a total wild card there. You may not get much of anything out of him. Uh, so speed at receiver is certainly Manningham helps him. There's no question about it. Now, I think they're a team that will contend. I think Harbaugh is a tremendous football coach. He's proven that at Stanford. He's proven it uh, here. He proved it at San Diego University. Uh, along with the 49ers. So they're a team that, that should be there at the end. I think they're more legit than not because of the defense. Well, and that, and that division, by the way, much tougher than it was a season ago. Seattle on the rise. I think uh, the Rams will be at least better than they were last year. So, uh, so yeah, that'll be an interesting division. And your old division, the uh, NFC East, ought to be as compelling as any division. It is most seasons, but uh, this year in particular. Can Romo finally win? Giants coming out of it, and now uh, Robert Griffin the third. So it goes luck. Robert Griffin the third certainly to the Redskins. After that, though, the Vikings, everybody had Matt Khalil locked in there, and that's been for three months at minimum, that that was the, the assumed guy to go in there at left tackle. Is this born of, because of some of the stuff I've read just the in the last couple of days is, that philosophically that the league has sort of determined that, you know, QB, and then you really need a shutdown corner or a left tackle. It really comes down to that. What does a team need more is a, a, a dynamite corner or the left tackle. Is that what this is about, or is it? Or do you think it's more about the individuals that it's Matt Khalil versus uh, Morris Claiborne, that Claiborne maybe just grades higher or projects well, higher? It, it, start, it should start and end with the individual. Because if you start valuing the position, then subconsciously you overrate the player. Uh, and all of us who have been in this will come back and say, take the best player available. Why? Because subconsciously we've overrated players, and that's where our mistakes have come. So it, it starts with the player. In Minnesota's case, to me, they need a left tackle more than they need a corner. A lot more. So they, they've got to take Khalil there, I think. Uh, I know they're they're raising the question about these other players. They're doing that to see if they can get a market to trade back, and I think still take Khalil. And but do you like we were talking about with Richardson a minute ago? Do you think if you're the Vikings, are you thinking? Listen, we got uh, we've got Calvin Johnson in this division. We've got uh, all those great Packers receivers. We've got to do something to to curb that a little bit. Is that the part of the calculation, or is that something you, you you don't try to? No, absolutely. You have that discussion, but I think two things. It comes back to who who's the better player in your eyes, but. Also, if you have them all rated there together, then you got to look at where you are as a football team. And then you got to look at what you can get in the second round. And I don't think you can count on getting a left tackle in the second round. I think if you got one there, you got to take one there. Well, let me ask you, you know, you talk about the subconscious evaluations and uh, how you how you move guys up in the draft. I, I assume that's what's happening with Tannehill. We've been talking about that the last couple of weeks, that that's the cause of it. Well, we, we have to get a franchise QB. That doesn't mean that Tannehill is that. You just want to – you would like him to be that. Um, 
Along those lines, then, is, you know, is Ponder, was that a reach? I mean, it certainly seems like that was a reach at 12. I think it was 12 last year that they grabbed him. Mm-hmm. Do, do you feel like that's uh, a year or two from now the Vikings are going to be looking for another QB? Well, I don't know that we can say that. It was definitely a reach. And uh, that, that that wasn't uh, subconscious. That was conscious. <laughs> and so is Tannehill. That's conscious, too. Uh, the, the reality is you, you may talk yourself into uh, what you're doing there, but but you know you didn't have them rated there at the beginning of the process. Does the new uh, rules with the salary cap, does that change a little bit of the thinking, too? Because now a team up near the top, they're not going to have to invest as much money. Miami's not going to have to spend as much money if they're the ones that end up with Tannehill. Does that change the thinking a little bit? You know, I don't think it does. I haven't asked anybody specifically that. But I still think it comes down to how you rate the players and how good you think they're going to be, and that's going to ultimately determine who you're going to pick because if you get it right, you've solved the problem. If you don't get it right, you haven't solved the problem, and you've got to try to solve it again. So I think it's easier to get out of a mistake now. That's really what's different. Um, I'll go go back to uh, the the left tackle position, and in general, here's the biggest disconnect, as far as I'm concerned, between true insiders and uh, and and people like myself and the the 99 of people who obsessively watch football is evaluating offensive lines. At the end of the day, I can say at the end of the game, I can say, well, they didn't, uh, you know, the the QB is clean, and um, the you know we uh, the team rushed for 200 yards. Ergo, the offensive line had a good day. But this evaluation of individuals seems just about impossible. And as a matter of fact, I would go so far as to say many so-called experts weigh in on this without the ability. Watching a game, do you as an evaluator? Are you able to just look at a game with your with the naked eye and say, "Wow, that uh, that left guard is dominant. Boy, he's way better." Because to me, well, he's a three hundred pound big guy. How much difference can they possibly be? He lifts a lot of weights. He put, you know, how 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 can one guy who is three hundred pounds be that much better? I know that seems like a a foolish question, but I really think that uh, most of us have no idea how to look at that. Well, uh, to answer a couple of your questions, there. First of all. You can't learn anything watching television, so just drop that, okay? You can't. Well, you I can't, disagree. I was raised on TV. Well, Everything you, I know was in. Was, well, was you can't evaluate players on I television. Okay. So All let right. me rephrase the question, okay? You have to use coaching tape, which gives you the perspective of the whole field, and you're able to go back and, and run it over and over again in slow motion, stop it to try to really see what's happening there, okay? So that's number one. Uh, number two, in evaluating a player, when a team evaluates a player. And this is what I'm used to doing. Uh, you know, first of all, when you sit in a room, you've got a bunch of people that have looked at him. You've got five, six people have seen this guy. So you've got different eyes, different viewpoints. You've seen him at different points in the season. Why is that important? Well, maybe the games he saw, the games you played early, maybe he was injured in. Maybe he was not playing good people in those games. I've seen him practice. I've seen him, so I've seen him compete in practice. I've seen him how he handles coaching. I've seen him in drills. I've interviewed him. I've worked him out. We've given him a psychological test. We've given him an intelligence test. There's a volume of information that you get that before you make that decision, which is huge. And all of it you need. Okay? So that gets back to watching one game. No, it's not as simple as watching one game. The guy could have a good game. Maybe have a bad game. So you got to look at a volume of stuff. Then as far as... Uh, you got one 300-pounder and another. Well, you've got quickness, athletic ability, agility, ability to move his feet, balance, explosion, intelligence, okay? All those things enter into it, okay? 
It's the same principle as basketball. I got a seven-footer, and I got a seven-footer. Well, how come that seven-footer isn't Will Chamberlain, and how come that seven-footer isn't Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? Well, guess what? They're not. It's the same thing. But it is the difference in tight quarters and everything. It seems to me that in pass protection. They're not so tight when the guy uh, on the other side is pretty good. But what? Okay. Okay, but you you sit there and you talk about this mountain of information. You have a, a team of experts who are dissecting this in, in so many different ways that they've never done before. How do we still miss on guys? How do we still? It's real see- simple. Humans evaluating humans. Hmm. You're errant on both sides of the equation. That's what happens. And but it seems. But you have a guy like Blaine Gabbert. Like obviously, there's been a lot of problems that have been raised about him, where they talk about you know he's got he's. He's fearful in the pocket, and he has all these deficiencies. How did they not see that when well, they were going through the- here's here's the way I look at it, okay? When I evaluated Gabbard, I, I, I saw a guy that was athletic, had a good arm, could make big-time throws, okay? Illinois game specific. They make some big-time throws there, okay? When I'm watching him, there's three things that I see. I see a guy that kind of looks down at the rush. I see some of that. I see a guy that um, uh, has people wide open and doesn't throw to him. So I saw that, and a guy who wasn't always accurate deep. And you go, oh, my God, that's terrible. Well, guess what? I saw him do all those things in the tape, too, positively. But I saw some. Ne- I saw it creep up more than a couple times, those three things, okay? So now, can he overcome those things? All right, there's a lot more positives and negatives, but you saw some red lights. The deep throw, that, I, I saw incorrect technique there. I saw a guy that could improve in technique throwing the ball. Uh, on the deep one. Why doesn't he throw to a guy when I'm looking at him, he's open? Well, i got to sit with him and find that out. I can't do that. i got to find that out. You know, the guy's young in his experience. He's still growing. He sees the rush. I don't like that now. But there's other times I see him stand in there and take a hit. So is that something that, you know, is he going to grow out of? Is that a major problem? I don't know that. It all becomes magnified when you get to the NFL. You can take the best prospect in the world, and he still has questions about him. Okay? So, he has less questions, but where, where do those questions end up? That's why it's humans evaluating humans. That's where you have the human element of a person that doesn't take the next step, if you will. So, Here's a question uh, about um, you know QBs who feel the rush. And um, the, to me, the greatest determiner of, if that's a word, determiner uh, is— It uh, is on this show. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Uh is for a quarterback success above all else, receivers, the, the you know the, the coach that he's got, everything else is the quality of the offensive line. With the exception of Aaron Rodgers, probably and Ben Roethlisberger, who consistently has been able to to thrive behind a lousy offensive line. Tom Brady and Peyton Manning have had the luxury of being behind offensive lines that keep them clean. Now I know that they make well, quick let's, reads let's, and get rid of it. Yeah, but Manning, the last couple of years, that offensive line, you know, when Peyton Manning wasn't in there, that quarterback was getting. Peyton Manning was a guy that could make an offensive line good. He did have some good players at one point. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Last couple of years wasn't quite as good. He still got rid of the ball. Yeah, and and, and but even, go ahead to your point. Even in the midst of that season, they were all over him, and yeah. he had a couple of really rough games yeah. in a row there. Um, with Matt Light going out, is that now? It's very quiet that Matt Light, the the longtime left tackle there for for the Patriots, is that a real problem for for them? Or are they so loaded with picks and Nate Solder is ready to step up? Or is that going to be a potential big time problem for Tom Brady, who has always enjoyed great protection? Well, I think that uh, 
Uh, Solder, I think, is a good player. I think Solder can come in, and Solder can play left tackle. Now, Vollmer is a guy who's played right tackle, but he's got some injuries, so they kind of need him to come back. You don't want to be losing two tackles. But if Vollmer comes back, Solder's in there. they got a tremendous offensive line coach in Dante Skarnecki, absolutely brilliant coach, who's always made that group better than the individuals. And then with Brady, him getting rid of the ball, uh, I, I think they'll be fine as long as Vollmer is healthy and soldiers healthy, I think they'll be fine. All right, excellent. Uh, great stuff, Charlie Casserly. Thank you for uh, coming in here and uh, tolerating our foolishness. And I know it's your busy time of the year. It's like accountants right now, that just ended last week. <laughs> yeah. And now this is uh, this is your busy season. Well, so. we're accounting too, so <laughs> anyway. Thank you very okay, much. Guys. We'll see you in the right, hallways. Thanks, Appreciate it. There he goes, the great Charlie Casserly with, uh, with some good stuff. Do you see what I'm talking about, uh, Rank? Be well. See, we didn't even get to talk coffee lids with him. Oh. I, I wanna, we'll do that next time. Um, See, we can do that after the draft. You'll have time to do that. So, all right. So he, it, it's interesting. I, to me, I, I, the, he sticks with the Matt Khalil pick there at number three mm-hmm. for the Vikings. To me, because of what I said, I go Morris Claiborne there, right. the, the corner out of uh, LSU, because of the division he's in. Don't you feel like they, they're now Brandon Marshall with the Bears? You need some. That's that's six games. Yeah, but what are you? That's talking? more than a third of your season is going up against Calvin Johnson, mm-hmm. Brandon Marshall, and all those Packers wide receivers. But what he's saying is that it's a little bit deeper where you can find the cornerbacks later in the draft. What if Janoris Jenkins, like, for instance, if he drops down in the draft, then maybe in the second round you take a, a risk on him because of all of his talent and everything. You're not going to find a guy like Khalil later in the draft you put him there it seems like a kind of a thing where you rubber stamp this guy 10 to 12 10 to 15 years he's going to dominate there he's going to be like joe thomas and then he's going to write it out the question i should have asked him uh, before he got out of here was this one mm-hmm. I th- and this is why i would take claiborne and that we're, we were all around this with him just now is it seems like corner is probably the easiest position to evaluate or or in the top two or three easiest to evaluate mm-hmm. is the guy really fast is he big you know, and based on his body of work, and, he catch the as ball? much as people, as much as uh, college teams now throw the ball, you have uh, ample tape to see what he does, uh, you know, against good wide receivers and good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. It seems like, yeah, that was a, came out of the SEC, been playing good teams every week for the last uh, couple of years. Yeah, but I think he just proved that it's probably easier to get these guys later in the draft because now everybody's doing it. It's like going to L.A. and yeah, finding a stand-up true. comic or an actor. You know, everybody's doing it. It's not going to be hard to find one. That's a good point. So, all right, so we go. So let's just start to blow through it here. I also don't take Trent Richardson if I'm the Browns for exactly the reasons I said. See, but I don't think that Justin Blackman is the guaranteed showstopper that everybody's predicting him to be. No, I think people are cooling on him a little bit, but I still would take him. But you can – but again, you can go down later in the draft. There's no – there's nothing. There's nothing that says that Kendall Wright's not going to be a better player. That Stephen Hill can't be a better player. What about you know Jeffries from from uh, South Carolina? There's another guy who could come out and have a similar type of career yeah, than Justin but Blackman. Good, so, but what, so what good is uh, so Chris Johnson rushes for two thousand yards? What value did that have to the Titans? You know, I mean, yeah, but, a, the teams that are good in the NFL for the most part don't have great running backs. So that, that's easiest, based on that is the. The easiest way for these teams to get better is good defense, and the Browns have a good defense. They were in the top right. ten last year, and you know what? Maybe that's a team. Maybe that's a team you put Morris Claiborne on the other side of Joe Hayden. Now you have two dominant corners, and you could go that route. But when you have Trent Richardson, if you can, if you can shorten the game, if you have a guy who can 
move the sticks, But against Pittsburgh and Baltimore, that's why Peyton it's Hillis, another thing. But Peyton Hillis had good games against them in his breakout year in 2010. It's not to say that you cannot rush on these guys. They're not the 86 Bears, you know. It, and they're good defenses. They're going to be strong every oh, year. Like he went 86, which was the better, superior defense. Superior 85, D, yes. good for you. So you're going to be – It's it's not a – impossible to run against these teams and if you can shorten games keep your your defense keeps you in it you can shorten games you don't put too much pressure on colt mccoy to go out there and win games on his own now you have a little bit of a better chance to go out and win because the browns are going in the right direction so they they remind me a lot of the way the the jets were winning early in mark sanchez's career which actually was only a couple of years ago they had good defense they were able to run the ball if the Browns can emulate that, they will be in contention for the NFC, or excuse me, AFC North. Well, probably not in contention. Maybe a wild card. All right, what do you do if you're the Buccaneers then? Well, if the Browns are going to take Richardson, then you go with Claiborne and you put him. No, well, Cam- but if the Vikings take Richard Claiborne, which I bet you they're going to do. I, I, you I really think that's going to happen? I, I do believe that that's the way they're going to go. Because exactly what I've been, you know, I'll say it again. The the division they're in. They need, that, that is a need. That, that's something that is not something that's negotiable. And by the way, I hear what Casserly was just talking about. But if you're the Vikings and you're in the personnel department, they haven't had a good cornerback in forever. You know, mm-hmm. this is something this is like uh bad goalies for the Philadelphia Phillies kind of thing. <laughs> Philadelphia Flyers, I mean, who just beat my Penguins. Yeah, I was going to say they want to throw it in my face. I stumbled into that and I don't like you it. You stumbled into it. My goalie was even worse. Yes. I'm sick about it. Now, now when they went up when they won that game, when they it was three zero and then it was three one. Mm-hmm. What was your mindset? Where you are like, you know what? It's it's happened in two thousand ten. Could we see a, a little rally, a comeback? Were you expecting anything? Um, listen, with the I what I didn't anticipate was both Geno Malkin and Sidney Crosby being outplayed by Claude Giroux. That's what mm-hmm. it came down to. You know, Claude Giroux was gangbusters, and maybe I wouldn't be surprised if we hear that Crosby was a little bit. Uh, banged up or something like that, you know, because he, he, he collided with Malkin and uh, and didn't seem right the rest of the way from there. I don't want to talk about that, though. I'm okay. disgusted about it. I'm right. sick about well, it. Well, you're the one who drew the analogy. I so. did, and I'm sorry and sick about it, and I don't want to talk about it. And you know what? Who You know what I say to the NHL? Go spit, because now you got a great low. What, what a wonderful, what, what iconic matchups you have awaiting you in, 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 the, in these Stanley Cup playoffs. Enjoy. Why the? By the way, I just realized Nashville. Woo! Great fun, Phoenix. Stop it! Wow, this is going to be a lot of fun. Oh, diehard puck fans are going to love those matchups. Oh, quit! Quit with the sour grapes. It's not becoming. I'll tell you what. I don't like the Rangers and I don't like the Flyers. And but if the Rangers don't win this next uh, this next one, boy, those playoffs are really going to (laughs) stink. Are they? The Kings are in it. It can't be too bad. I don't care, and I don't want to talk about it. Why is it though? And Forgive me because uh, the Kings haven't been in this position where it really mattered. The reseeding in the playoffs has to stop. Why? That's a terrible idea. Why should the Kings have to go play the number two Why seed? Why should now? you be allowed to fluke your way into well, it's uh, another not a round? Fluke. You beat the number one seed. You beat the President's Cup winner. You should be able to go on and play the next opponent right, and not have to worry if, about playing number two. If my team over the course of uh, the regular season was demonstra- demonstratively better than yours, then there should be some advantage there. No. And home ice ain't enough to do it. That's not enough. Now, why, well, why, like wait, why, should, why should St. Louis have to play a team that's got a guy like Jonathan Quick at goal? Is that an advantage for them? No. 
Um, but it's ridiculous. I, I don't like Should they do that in football? Do you think they should recede after the first couple of – or after the first round? Wait a second. They do recede. No, they don't. Wait a second. Wait, a black tie, way in here. Wait, let me they let me don't. think about this. I get confused. I guess they do because the number yes, one seed, do. the yeah, number one seed gets a bye. Well, of course I, they recede. What are you talking about? Now that I think about it, yes, they recede. Yeah, no, they don't. Well, it's different. No, no, no. Well, does the NBA do it that way too? No. The lesser team, the whoever. Okay, because of, of course the they one, yes, of course yes, they he's recede. Right, he's right. The number I am one, right? Yeah. You made me feel crazy. <laughs> no, no, no. Two the number dopes. The number one seed gets a bye. Ganging up on me. Right, but if if the if the six seed wins, okay, but they if don't. If the six seed beats the three seed in the playoffs, Why the number one gets the six seed. If the three seed wins, then the two seed plays them. Of course, that's right. Well, I know for a fact they don't do it in March Madness, and that's how you end up with that's 13, why 12 I think, That's why I think and that it's great. Tournament stinks. No, you're completely wrong. You're completely off base. I well, guys. By the way, we have Steve Smith calling in pretty soon. He's back. Oh, we do. He's eh? back. All right, excellent. Steve Smith, yeah, new uh, new loot in his uh, a whole bunch of uh, a lot of news money for him. Yeah, he's got a new contract. The Clippers. Um, while we wait for him, so I was in Hawaii. I'd never been there before, and um, as you would expect, so we just I dropped it. our mock draft. Oh, we've dropped. Well, I was talking about well because Steve Smith's calling, and then I also right. like to talk about me. That don't you understand that? Right. I like to talk. You're about in my... Hawaii. Why were you in Hawaii? Tell everybody. David Feeney um, got married, my chum, you know, uh, my old uh, podcast partner, David Feeney, from Daves of Thunder. And a lot of people were, uh, you know, on the Twitter, at Damashek, they dropped me a line to, to wish him well. And uh, you can follow Rank, at Adam Rank. Black Tide, did you create your Twitter account specific to this show? Not yet. What, what I did, I just you? added. How, bu- how busy can you be that you can't I just take- added Black Tide to my profile. I didn't oh, create look a at new. You. Well, because I shamed you, right, on Twitter? Well, I, I'm taking it step by step. I don't, I don't like the idea of having two Twitter accounts. I don't know. We'll see. Okay, well, you, what are you most famous for? You being you or you being black tie on the show? Me being me. No, that's not that's not true. Bunk. <laughs> Bunk. We'll see. We'll see. Um, so yes, so I made my way out to uh, to Hawaii and I took uh, I took a bath in the sea. You know how I like to do that. And the water there is cl- is so crisp and clear. I've never seen anything like it. You can imagine. I swooned because you were you were in Maui. You weren't. I went to Maui. Yeah, right. I was in Maui, and. Um, uh, let me all, all I on Feenster's dime too, which is pretty magnanimous. Yeah, but let me tell you something. It, I mean, the the, of course, yeah. And I tweeted out photos of me, you know, doing various things. Of like I, I drank straight from a pineapple, right? <laughs> that's right. I drank I drank a mai tai out of a pineapple. I didn't care. People said that's a girl drink. I said, you know what? Bring me uh, six more over the course of the next <laughs> hour or two. I had them all. And you wash it down with a Corona light. A lava flow is that the drink? The lava flow, yeah. It's it's like half strawberry daiquiri and half some. Uh, like it's half pina colada with the red. Yeah, the is that what it is? I think so. That's why I loved it so much. Yeah, back when I, uh, I covered, don't care. I covered I'm... the Pro Bowl a couple of years ago, and Vic Carucci and I were knocking those back. Oh, just heaven. That's what yeah. you do in Hawaii. Yes, that's fine. All right, guys. It. Steve is on now. All right, but I'm talking about uh, <laughs> taking my dip in the sea. I didn't. Uh, I, it, when you go in the sea, let me just tell you. When you go in the Pacific, it's magical and medicinal. Mm-hmm. I went in there. I didn't just wash off as usual. You don't just wash off the day's soils, but you wash off all of society's <laughs> ills when you go in the Pacific Ocean. I emerged, baptized, a new man. You Where see? is Steve Smith to save us? I don't know. Steve Smith, are you there? 
Yes, sir. I'm here. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well. I, I don't know if you just heard, but I'm a new man now, and uh, you're 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 a new man too, or uh, with the, with the new contract, muzzle tub to you, sir. No, I appreciate it. Same guy though. Same guy. Are you the same guy now? Oh, same guy. All right. Well, listen. Let's get into it. Well, can, first of all, yeah, congratulations on that, and um, and then secondly. The first concern is, before we get into the Carolina Panthers' uh, upcoming draft, what do you make of this Cam Newton is one of the finalists to be on the cover of the Madden video game? This is bad news. You don't want him on the cover, right? You know, I think being on the cover of a video game, is, you know, it's a pretty big deal. You know, uh, uh, you know, growing up, you know, you wanted to be on – ESPN and, and all those things, and then when you attach football, when you as long as football been going on, you know, video games and football have been synonymous. You know, high impact Mike Dicker, Joe Montana uh, on Sega, you know, uh, uh, Matt, and, uh, you know, so you had all these games uh, that they've always had players on there. So, um, you know, for a guy to get on there, I, I think people understand how much it actually means to the player. That's one of those accolades that very few people get, but so many people envy as well. Yeah, it'd be awesome, except for the fact that over the last decade, it's no good. It puts a pox on, on the guy on the cover. You don't want that as a Panther. No, I mean, you don't, but, you know, I, you know, somebody has to break it, so why not give opportunity? All right, that's, that's an interesting. That's a good attitude. I like that. All right, lots to talk about with the Clippers and uh, and the draft coming up and everything. What do you What do you make of uh, the latest news? I, I don't know that we've gotten your opinion on the uh, on the ba- bounty scandal in New Orleans, and now this news this week that uh, Mickey Loomis allegedly was listening from the box to to opposing coaches. What do you make of all this stuff from your uh, your division foe? What I think, I find, what I find interesting is how uh, you know individuals are saying, "Where's the evidence? This and that," and then these stories keep coming out, you know, and um, it's like, "Oh wow, why?" And then you got um, a documentary that was recorded, and then it was saying, "Well, I never gave you permission," and you know, it's, um, you know, when things like this happen, it's a snowball effect, and. And once it comes and it breaks, you know, uh, it's pretty much a runaway train and there's nothing you could do about it. And eventually until uh, um, it hits something. And, and I think you're starting to hit a few cars and trucks on the way uh, that's that, that's stuck on the track. And uh, pretty soon um, I think it's going to be something else that comes out that finally kind of puts it at the, you know, puts it on the forefront. It's like, look, um, the, the intentions were malice. Uh, the intentions weren't quote-unquote innocent. And um, that's how it is, and you can you can put lipstick on her, you can put makeup on her, and she's still on and she's laying in the uh, in the mud. It's still a pig, you know, and and that's what's going on. Was this something when this came out? Was this something you had always suspected the Saints were doing, or did this kind of catch you off guard? I've always knew Greg Williams and his defenses would do that. Um, he he's done that actually, um, and. Um, <clears throat> I actually uh, had an altercation with a guy uh, who told me uh, firsthand because I was going out of bounds. A guy went for my ankle. I said, hey, man, you know, cut that out. He's like, well, we get fined if we don't go after your legs when you go out of bounds. I said, oh, okay. 
And uh, actually, this past year, uh, you know, this last game when we played them, you know, I had a little conversation with Greg Williamson, and uh, I, I, I would say uh, same of kind of what he did, his the stage that he took last time, which is he takes full responsibility. Um, you know, he, he took responsibility. He, he was saying it wasn't right, but that's who he was, and that's who he is. And, um, you know, you got to take people for their pros and cons, you know, their minuses and weakness, strength and weaknesses. So that's who he was. That's who he is. He's standing by that. Um, that's how he's always coached. That's probably how he will always coach some some version of it, even if it's watered down. And uh, you got to expect and understand that's who you're getting when you hire uh, that person. Wait a second, though. But what you're saying is 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 one step more. You're saying that the DB who went at your ankle said, we actually get fined if we don't do that. Correct. Wow, that's even more. And uh, I remember you had that scrape in the Superdome um, early in the season with a couple of uh, Saints DBs. Was that the, did it stem from something that you thought was uh, was no, a late hit? No, I, I I just think it's bad blood. You know, um, uh, one of the, a guy told me, you know, well, he just he, you know, he's just, you know, you're always talking and he gets, you know, you get on his nerves, um, <laughs> you know, and it's like. And that was his response, and I just kind of was like, "Oh, okay." You know, it's kind of one of those. You know, I I, I equate it to this like road race. Somebody cuts you off, so you go over there and egg their car, but that's okay. You know, so uh, you know, my <laughs> I just always look at it like, "Look, if you don't like it, stop me." You know, and if you can't stop me, then that sounds like a personal problem that you need to sit down and talk to someone to get over it, because obviously, uh, twelve years in running now. Uh, it, it seems to be working for me. <laughs> well, who is this? You're not going to expose this guy, or do you want to? Who is this guy nah. who said this? You're going to keep I'm not it. Say. All but right. Why well, did interesting. it? Why did it take so long for it to get out? Because it seems like it was something that was known. How, how come it took so long for people to find out about this? Well, this is what happens. Um, you always give a guy incentives. You know, you always got to tell a guy, "Hey, uh, if you tackle tackle inside, you know, uh, this and that." But you know, uh, every everybody does their thing differently. Everybody does it differently. And um, they were obviously doing it in a way that uh, wasn't really kind of uh, how everybody else does it. You know, I, and the reason I say everybody does it, everybody wants and has goals, uh, whether they're incentive-based or just getting a sticker on your helmet or getting a, a, a in, our, in ours what we call a Panther thing just to say, hey, We've accomplished it. These are the goals we want to be uh, in 2000 X. We want to make sure we uh, hold a defense, hold an offense within 21 points. You know, it, it just to, you know, because if you do that and you have uh, more, t- uh, if you have offensively less turnovers and defensively more turnovers, then um, you know, ultimately, if you have a good defense, that being the top five, and if you're in the top five, free agents. And, and players want to come to that team, you know. So things like that, you always got to have goals. Uh, without a plan, you know, you you you're deemed to repeat yourself. So you always have to have a plan, no matter what you're doing. So I think that is good. But the, taking a step up, where you finding guys if they don't take shots, I think that's a little, um, uh, you know, I think that's more of a power trip and and you know trying to uh, be what you couldn't be, which is a top flight player, and uh, now you're a coach. 
Um, what is the buzz looking ahead to 2012 now? Of course, uh, draft coming up here. Everything I've read and heard over the last few months is that you guys are going to go defense. No surprise with Ron Rivera there with his uh, his you know his background in defense and uh, trying to fix that side of the ball. Is that your expectation? They're going to go D line, which is uh, what seem people seem to be projecting. Um, you never know in, in the draft. Uh, I can honestly say you would systematically say the defense versus the offense of the Carolina Panthers was a big glaring discrepancy. So I would say that is not hard to guess. What actually happens on draft day, nobody ever knows um, because a team that's supposed to pick this team, doesn't. that person doesn't pick. And teams start trading and all that stuff. So who would have thought, the, who's that, the Minnesota Vikings, two years in a row, was scheduled to be number X and then screwed up the pick two years in a row. So, you know, uh, anything can happen. What was that last year? Uh, who was that, Baltimore and Chicago screwed up a trade mm-hmm. so it didn't mm-hmm. work out? You know, so things happen. And, uh, you know, and, and once you put any person under that timer, you know, people panic and make the wrong mistakes, which is pretty typical uh, in high-pressure uh, situations. What if they trade it? What if we heard Carolina Panthers trade Steve Smith to the Indianapolis Colts for the first overall draft pick there? Could happen. Um, that, that that happening um, would be probably as likely as me waking up in a month and I'll be six foot two. <laughs> well, what? Uh, how are you spending the off season? Yeah, I, I hope you're not torturing yourself by going to Bobcat games. Unfortunately, uh, you know, we, we've been on a few. Um, but, um, you know, I've just been, you know, kids are, I'm coaching my youngest son in flag football uh, at the local YMCA, so I'm enjoying coaching. Uh, he's enjoying playing, first year ever playing, so it's pretty good. And uh, observing my 14-year-old uh, uh, do pretty good on the, uh, on the soccer field, and my daughter, she does competitive dance, um, so watching her and, uh, just being a dad and enjoying it, which uh, sometimes I don't get to do during the season because um, I, I just can't get off. So it's it's always a, a great opportunity to catch up. Hmm, I didn't know that they had, you say, uh, competitive dancing. I remember that in the uh, early 80s. You were around. You're a little younger than I am, but you remember the um, the w- movies when they would break dance fight. Did you ever yeah. get in one of those? No. You never no, I did that. I was I was on the I was on the basketball, baseball, bat, uh, football field. You know, I was always in some kind of sport. How about you, Rank? Did you ever have like a break into electric boogaloo kind of fight against no, your rival? Never had that. Yeah, it's always weird the the the, uh, the uh, aggression that the, that that would bring <laughs> out. Well, talk about uh, your favorite team, the L.A. Clippers. What do you think is uh, the is the playoffs draw nigh? I think they're good. I, you know, since losing. You know, big shot uh, Chauncey Bullets. Our bench is struggling. You know that, that that's really you know when Mo he's hot he's hot when he's cold. You know you might as well put me out there. Um, but uh, you know, he got he got to he got to he got to get tough, man. They 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 got too many guys taking shots at him. He's getting up. You know uh, he you know he's gonna have to he's going to have to do something to kind of let those guys know that that isn't acceptable because they're taking shots at him, you know, every other night. And he's kind of, 
you know, turn the other cheek. And he's gonna, he's eventually going to get injured if he, he doesn't kind of establish, especially when the playoffs come, the, the, the intensity level raises up. And, um, you know, I just remember that kid from uh, uh, Smith from the Hornets, you know, taking him out. You know, uh, I, I, I wasn't really, uh, as a fan, I was kind of shocked to see he just kind of walked away. You know, he didn't, he didn't really do much about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it seems like some of the other teams are starting to step up. You know, Ron Artest got a little chippy uh, recently. Who? Oh, sorry, Meta World Peace got a little chippy. And you saw the heat where Dwayne Wade actually shoved Rip Hamilton in the ground. Do you want it? Do you no, like to that, see that? That was a screen. That was a screen. It wasn't a shove. It was a screen. He had his arms folded. He just wasn't <laughs> expecting it. And he was a little traumatized uh, after. But, yeah, you know, it was a legal screen. What that was well, that was LeBron, but Dwayne Wade actually went up and shoved Rip Hamilton. Yes, but what about the but what about the uh, the the world peace? The ironically named world peace. That was a, with, that was a little. That I watched it first because I didn't know what anybody was buzzing about. And then I watched. I was like, he when he threw the elbow, it was like it, it, it was like oh, you know, was, if you're on the stands, you just go, you just kind of shake your head and go, you know. Um, at some point, it was going to happen. <laughs> I agree with you completely. This was this was this was waiting to happen, and to show how how ridiculous he is, his defense after the fact is, I didn't even know he was there. What? How, how's that possible? He was touching you. He, you, your bodies were against one another. What do you mean you didn't know he was there? It's loco. Yeah, it was, it was uh, interesting. <laughs> throwing that elbow at the head. Yeah, but do the do the Clippers need to show a little bit of that attitude, though? I mean, not maybe not going that far, but I mean, do you want to see a little life out of them? Uh, they have to because if they're going to go into the playoffs, they're you know teams are going to you know every team. I don't care what sport you play, every team is deemed as something. You know, when you play, you you, you think about the Miami Heat, the New York Knicks. Oh, that's a physical. Uh, series it always has been since i was a kid you know the detroit pistons and and the los angeles you know lakers or whatever they were always you know up there they was always chippy you know there are teams that when you know they play it's going to be interesting and physical and i think on the flip side of the coin there are teams that are considered finesse. I gave you great examples. Uh, you know, um, the Utah Jazz back in the day, Carl Malone, uh, Jeff Hornacek, and John Stockton, all those guys, they were a finesse team, you know. But then when they played the, the Trailblazers or played Houston Rockets, they would get out physical, you know. And, and those are the differences. You look at those old established teams that are guys that are great sitting on – uh, TNT and TBS sitting on all these games, they were known for physical players, and that's why they were great teams for such a long time. Well, who's going to come out of uh, the Western Conference? Thunder looking good. Spurs, obviously, there again. Nobody likes us. Nobody ever talks. They are the most underappreciated. I know people, this is an old story, but they really are. In Ooh. sports, the Spurs – is there oh, yeah, any yeah, team yeah, in yeah. sports that's consistently been good over a decade that nobody ever talks about? It's crazy. Because they just come in and they and they just get to work. You know, they don't uh, – you know, Tim Duncan, you know, he's just real quiet. He plays a phenomenal technical game since he's been in college. 
and he just gets his work done, and that's just kind of how they are. Well, who's going to do it? Is it going to be one of those two teams, the Lakers? Do the Clippers have any chance? I think who's going to really make a push is uh, the Thunder Mm -hmm. and the the Spurs. I think uh, whoever can ultimately come out of there is is going to play. You know, before they get to the championship, a surprise team. I think the final uh, four teams are going to, on the East, are going to be standard. Mm -hmm. But I think on the West, it's going to be either the Thunder, Lakers, or Spurs, and then a surprise team that everybody was like, wow. Like maybe Dallas rises up or something? Uh, Not Dallas, no. Not Dallas. See, the thing about. No. No, I was going to say, because I was watching last year when the Lakers were going through the, through the motions in a way against the this, the uh, the Mavericks. They look like they're on borrowed time, and it looks like the Oklahoma City Thunder is on, on the verge of turning that around. And even though the Lakers were victorious on Sunday, I think over a seven-game series, I think the Thunder takes that. I think the Thunder are going to the finals. Well, the worst thing I about – the Thunder can because they have a well-rounded shooting team. Not just threes and long distance, but just – get into the hole, penetrating, dishing off. You know, they they run the floor. You know, all five run the floor. The thing that will separate the Thunder, imagine a Thunder that could get a guy like, uh, I know he won't go, but like an Anthony Davis. You imagine Anthony Davis on the Thunder or a Tim Duncan. It just, they can run and slow the game down. And with the teams that can do that, that's why Shaq was such a dominant player leading a uh, Akeem Olajuwon. When you have teams with big men that can run and then speed the game up, slow it down, the transition uh, is hard to figure out and have to have have the time. By the time you figure it out, oh, you swept or it's it's game six and it's too late. Well, the main thing is we can't have as an NBA we can't have the Thunder and Heat play each other in the finals because <laughs> of those two terrible names. It'd be the all weather. Uh, finals. Don't you think the Thunder should change their name? I've come up with two. Thunderbolts no, like or it. Twisters? No, I like the Thunder. It's nice. No, it has to end in S. It's a professional sports team. It's got to end in an S, Steve Smith. Well, you need to tell the owner that who bought the name. I know. Well, I don't like that. And that's why people need to listen to me more. And with you behind me, I, I might have a better chance of getting something done here. No, I just gave you a, I just gave you a small suggestion. I wasn't behind you. I know. I said that's why. That's why I'm wounded, and that's why I bid you good day, sir. <laughs> All right, Steve Smith. Listen, we'll let you go. Good luck to the uh, Panthers with the upcoming draft there. Hopefully, they'll get you. I'll tell you, man. You got some. You've had. You, you've certainly played with uh, some good receivers over the years there. But uh, boy, it would be nice to see you get someone on the other side so that you're not constantly blanketed by double coverage uh, as uh, as you and Cam Newton move forward here. Well, I, I have complete confidence, you know, in the game plan that they have that I got a sneak preview of, and you know, uh, oh. they have a they have a lot of you know plan A, B, C, and D if this guy is taken or not taken. So, uh, you know, but when you have when you 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 go to Vegas, you know, you, you roll the dice, but you never know what's gonna pop up until you actually get on the table and see. And I think that's where they are. Uh, Carolina and every other team, you know, I think like a team like Miami, you know, all the buzz about Miami, who they might take, who they might take, but 
until they actually physically take him and trade up and move this guy and move that guy. You know, who knows? And uh, it was in that sneak preview, did the name Alshon Jeffrey come up? Uh, who is that? Wide receiver out of uh, the out of South Carolina. He's a Gamecock. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He doesn't have a lot of good speed to me. I, wa- I actually watch film all the receivers. On uh, Floyd, uh, still needs to sharpen his, sharpen his tools. Uh, right from Baylor, he's uh, he runs he's speed speed guy, but um, can he run precise routes that transitions into successful routes in the NFL? That spread offense does two things to a wide receiver: it makes him uh, look very good, and it hides his weaknesses. Spread offense, you just go to the area, sit down, or take off running. Um, so. I like, you know, so that's the thing. The guy from South Carolina, he's not as fast as he thinks. He has good hands. He's a possession guy. But he's not a guy who, when you're saying three years from now, when I'm three or four years from now, when I say, hey, I'm done, is that the guy you want lined up that there's, quote, unquote, say when free agency comes, there's nobody on the other side? You think that's the guy you want lined up? as your number one receiver. Hmm. Interesting point. And the other thing is three or four more years. You're going to be uh, 16 years in the big league? Uh, I'm going to try. You know, three-year deal. uh, Well, it's a five-year deal, but realistically, I, you know, three years, uh, if I'm healthy, maybe take that fourth. But uh, if not, uh, I want to walk away and, and, and walk away because I have some things lined up that I'm going to do that um, I'm pretty excited uh, when football's over. Uh, I have something to do that uh, I really have a passion and heart for that uh, I'm excited to, to, to start. I've just started uh, on the brinks of it right now, so uh, it's exciting. And I'm enjoying it. It sounds like scouting could be in your future. So you're talking about the receivers. Who's the best one coming out in this draft? Film-wise, quote-unquote, they're all kind of pretty even because they're all athletic. They all can run. If you watch enough film or anybody and you poll enough people, you can get a, enough people to, to uh, go against you or agree with you. So it's kind of hard. But I wouldn't really say any of those guys would be a number one guy right now with the average quarterback that you want to start building your team around. I don't believe any of those guys are Calvin Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald who you can have them in there, the quarterback play be average, and you still are happy with the product on the field. I don't think those guys are there. I agree with you, but I will say this. You know who Justin Blackman is? Santonio San Holmes. That's who he's going to be in the NFL, and I think most teams would uh, would like to get that in the first round. If I, could, if I told you you could get Santonio San Holmes in the first round, I think most teams would be happy about that. I, I think so, too. But I think Justin Blackman needs to focus on being the best Justin Blackman, not the next Antonio Holmes. Because when you start naming guys after players, uh, there's there's things that uh, they knock Jerry Rice on uh, for not doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and look how he turned out. Not bad for, for, for him. 
No, he had a good career, if I recall correctly. So, yeah. Hey, I, th- I think so, too. I'm t- this is just a shot in the dark, but I think he had an okay career. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Steve Smith, we'll let you go. And, uh, by the way, uh, be on the lookout. We're going to be talking about the top 100 players currently. Love to catch up with you as, uh, on that, Steve Smith, as we get deeper into that. Did you vote on that this season? Yeah, I voted on it, Ashley. Uh I voted on it, and uh, it was kind of a – well, what do you think about this guy? What do you think about that guy? What about a potential? And I'm like, uh, you know, I just find it interesting how we focus so more on what a guy would be projected ahead, and yet we don't want to talk about where he is right now. All right, listen, Steve Smith, delightful as always to yap with you. Continue to enjoy your off season, and maybe we'll catch up with you in the next few weeks to discuss as we get in deeper into this top 100 jazz and see what your thoughts are on the uh, Panthers draft once it's all said and done. Okay, appreciate it. All right, man, and maybe I if think- the Clippers are still in it, then uh, we'll Ooh. really have something to talk about. Did you say if? Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about uh, them in the uh, in the conference finals going up against the Thundersticks. The, the, How about that, huh? If that were to happen, I'm telling you right now, you can't tell me nothing. I'm going to L.A., and I'll be in the first row. And we'll be right next to you. No, I'll have to fight between <laughs> – it'll be a fight between my beautiful wife and my firstborn son who thinks they're going. But I know I got me a seat. He doesn't. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll debate that later. But if they're playing the All Oklahoma right. State uh, uh, Twisters or slash Thunderbolts, that'll be great. <laughs> All right, then, Steve Smith, be well. Congratulations on the contract, too, again. Thank you. There he goes, the great Steve Smith. And uh, you know what? I think we've covered a lot of ground here between Charlie Casserly, an insider, uh, an executive perspective, now a player's perspective, and Mm -hmm. then two two boobs like you and me. (laughs) I think we've got every angle covered here, right? Yeah, we got it nailed. All right, I hope uh, hope you're ready for the draft. And uh, is there anything, final thoughts? I know I cut us off a little early. We only got five deep in in the actual draft. Is there any issue you want to hit? No. There's nothing else we need to cover? I don't think so. I don't think so either. We'll review what happened after. That's more important. I'll be in New York City in the coming days to uh, to uh, take care of another one of those uh, Cars.com pieces, the uh, NFL fans' ultimate road trip. Oh, I'm going good. out there to see. And, and uh, one guy is going to be selected to have his name announced at the draft. That's oh, pretty cool. cool, right? Yeah, that's a pretty good deal. Now, there's another thing where you can uh, – another NFL promotion – out there where you can announce a draft pick. Mm-hmm. I said, fat to that. No. Announce a draft pick. How about have your name called out? Have your name back, get to hold the jersey up. I think a little bit cooler. Speaking of things to take a look at, davedamashek.nfl.com. We've got a new NFL for you. It's a draft edition. It's what if Andrew Luck had come out a season earlier in 2011. Mm-hmm. How would that have changed things and rejiggered the way everything looks now? Cam Newton wouldn't have been a Panther. That's all I'll tell you. Go look at that at NFL.com. Also, based on our conversation last week about who would win a fight among the fantasy guys on NFL, I was pleasantly surprised how many people – I said this will be a challenge to see how many people listen to the very end of the podcast. Yes. All sorts of tweets suggest that we have many people who stick very, with us to the last minute of the show. Black Tie was very chagrined. <laughs> By the overwhelming response, who not only said that Adam Rank would win these fights, but just responded and said, 
Down with the with the tight forty five. Tight forty five minutes is what Black Tie wants out of our podcast every I, week. Well, I also did. What if the NFL mascots had the same sort of thing? They had fists of uh, fisticuffs among the uh, all the mascots in the NFL, and, mm-hmm. and you can look at that at DaveDamashek.NFL.com. Plus, Rank's pick six columns are uh, coming fast and furious these days. So be on the lookout for that. Quickly, did you agree with my mascot rankings? You did have a couple ones that I, I wasn't. I had the Titan number one because I figure that's a Greek god, and yeah. so he, a Greek god is magic, isn't he? And he's, he is, yeah. But is he going to be able to beat a giant? Like how sure. big's the giant? He's got thunderbolts. How giant's and the stuff. giant? He, take that, giant! I'll knock you down with my thunderbolt. Zeus is my friend. You know, you don't <laughs> got nothing on me, giant. So. Anyway, look that up if you want to evaluate that and weigh in. Uh, much obliged for that. Black Tie, nice job tracking down uh, those two fellows for us. And uh, thanks to Casserly and uh, Steve Smith. As Rank, a, go ahead. Handsome Hank's not here, but he would say, well, good. Oh, yeah. We didn't talk to Handsome Hank this week. Quickly, what is the number we got to do here? We do because last week we did episode 63, but we didn't announce a winner there. Right. 63, of course, would go to Fats Holmes, right? Wait, it wouldn't go to uh, Gene Upshaw? Fats Holmes. Fats Holmes and Gene Upshaw, who collided in those interior collisions mm-hmm. um, back in the 70s when the Raiders and Steelers used to play. I think, I think we go Fats Holmes. He's more interesting. You think so? Yeah. He threw, he threw a couple rounds up at a helicopter once. <laughs> Over the Hall of Famer. Yeah. Well, all right. You want to go Upshaw? We'll go Upshaw. 64, though? Then who do we go Upshaw? We go Steve Furness, number 64. Great, Another great uh, defensive. As a matter of fact, took over for... Uh, Took over for uh, Fats Holmes, if I'm not mistaken, or, as le- or at least as one of the guys who mm-hmm. helped take over for uh, Fats Holmes. Wait, we did. On. I would say, though, but what about Jerry Kramer, one of the best guys? Oh, Jerry Kramer, right. One of the best players, they say, not in the Hall of Fame. Ah, listen, get Casserly in here to tell you why he was a better. If he was so great, why, why is he not? Although, I will say, it seems like he should be, since uh, should be in the Hall of Fame, since he I mean, was one of the linchpins to the to the power sweep for yeah, the Packers, right? And you had uh, Hacksaw Reynolds was another guy. Mm-hmm. You also had uh, Randall McDaniel, yeah. 64, yeah. Yeah, you have that's some, right. Some decent 64s, but yeah, Jerry Kramer seems like the guy to All right, with. Kramer, and so we covered two in one shot here. We got uh, Fats Holmes, 63. 64 is uh, Jerry Kramer. That's what mm-hmm. we're going to go with. See, okay. don't call me biased. I, I won't call I you didn't biased. I did force the, that it had to be Steelers in there. So what did we do? By the way, did we do 44 minutes? Have we reached that, is that point? Did we do a tight 45 here, we... Black Tie? No. We had an obese 76. You know 76? What? I know. And I, 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 obese, he calls it. Watch this, too, and I will tell you, because one of our, I know one of the guys who tweets both of us, his name's Neil Dutton. He always uh, he's one of the ones who tells you in particular to go spit on the tight forty five and his sister Nikki Dutton. It's her birthday today on Tuesday, ah. so I will say you know what just to show again that people listen the whole time. Happy birthday to Nikki Dutton. She will tweet you, oh, and you will be chagrined. Since we're giving shout outs here, a little business. Um, I, I just covered it all. But one last thing is that we have uh, Backpage Press, our pals over oh, at Backpage yeah. Press, who've generated. You can track them down, BackpagePress.com. Mm-hmm. They've created in the past a T-shirt for, for people who are dopey enough to listen to me, the Czech Republic. You can get those T-shirts, all manner of sports T-shirts, though, and beyond. Now the latest thing is they have some great uh, Mario Lemieux T-shirts, too, by the way, glorious T-shirts, mm-hmm. a trio of them, one of which uh, I, I designed and uh, but now the newest one they they've gone too far 
They've gone too far? You know the term jump the shark. I think that's what they've done. They, oh, how dare they've you. They've created one for the rank amateurs. That's I don't know that it's joke. I don't think it's out there yet for purchase for the one or two people who might be interested in that, but uh, be on the lookout for that. The one always, or two people. You know what? You always know, good work from the back the page first press. Person, uh, the first person to sign up and buy one will be Dieter Brock. <laughs> oh, finally. There's another one. Get that ding in there. Nice job there, Rank and uh, Corey. Nice job on the design. And um, All right. Casserly. Smith. Black tie, rank, and you, the Czech Republic slash rank amateurs, will be uh, in New York City to cover the draft. We'll yap with you on the other side of it. Look out for our first of the top 100, um, the the NFL Network's debut of uh, this season's top 100 NFL players. That hits the air Sunday night, and uh, and then we're going Was it Saturday. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. Saturday. And uh, so Saturday be on the lookout the for a podcast like we did last year where that we'll do uh, we'll cover the our, our opinions. Unfiltered. Unfiltered. Yeah. No question is out of bounds. All right. Except we'll, some stuff. We'll be back for uh, more Huey and Applesauce later on. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.